Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, awesome. I've never used Google Meets before. You haven't? Oh, exciting. Yeah. Nice to nice to virtually meet you. Nice to meet you too. Yeah. How you doing? I'm great. How's your day? Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty good. Um just had some meetings and that was it. Meetings? Oh. Did you run yet? I did. I ran this morning. <laughs> nice. So you yeah. start in the morning? Um, depends. Like today I it was just easier to do it in the morning. Yeah. Okay. Let me yeah. let me do the intro and then we'll Okay. Yeah. Get into it. All right. This is Lo-Fi Lit episode six with Julian Neely. She's from New York. She went to Iowa Writers Workshop. She won the 2017 Whiting Award. Did I say that right? No. No, I, I did not. I wish I had a Whiting. <laughs> it was the John Logan Poetry Prize. Oh, okay. John Logan. Yeah. Is there a Whiting Award then? There is. And Whiting, if you're listening, I'd be happy to take that award. It's uh, $10,000. So I will take it. <laughs> oh, shit. There you go. Have you applied for it? Um, It's actually, they just sort of like look around and like pick like emerging poets for it oh okay yeah. i wonder yeah. how i why did i come up with that then okay whatever uh i also saw in one of your bios you worked for sesame street yes how did that come about i'm very interested in that um so i was a film major um <gasps> during my undergrad and so i got an internship for them um when i was still an undergrad and then um after i finished while i was applying to mfas um, they hired me and i worked there for two years and i did sort of like um, creative research stuff where we would like look into um like stuff that would go into the episodes like because there's a lot that i think people don't realize goes into like building a children's television show because there are so many regulations about like what can actually be put on the screen um like something as simple as like a carrot can't be too close to like a child's face um, what yeah why because it, like it's like almost like some sort Offensive? of yeah yeah oh my that's weird um they're like putting shit in there and the american like regulation system for like television mm -hmm. is um but yeah i i was on set though like it was super cool i met like a lot of like celebrities and it was awesome does any of that time like go into how you write your poetry or like any of the philosophy maybe sesame street I would say the most of it that goes into sort of how I write my poetry or maybe into just like my life of poetry is that I spent a lot of time while I was there uh, doing my own work. Um, like mm -hmm. I was, the hours were insane. Some days I was working 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. at night and I would get oh. up and do it again. Um, and so I would just like sit there sort of on the boss's time and just write poem after poem after poem and then do like my MFA applications and yeah. So you started out as a film major though? Yeah, I started out as a film major. Well, I actually started out before that as a communication major with like oh. political like science leaning, but I quickly dropped that. Um, and then I um, have a film degree uh, specializing in like screenwriting. And then um, I also have like a minor in um, creative writing and English as well. So have you written a script? I have. I bet you have. You you write so much, man. Yeah, I, 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 have, I have like 
when I tell you it's how many poetry manuscripts I have, I'm probably up to like 12 at this point. Like, Whoa. Yeah. So waiting for someone to publish one of them. Like, <laughs> have you approached uh, Lucy? I, do I know who that is? Hey, Shaw. Shabby Dollhouse. No, I haven't. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Maybe I should look into that. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if she's taking anything. Yeah. I'm just, I know she published two books of one from her and then Sergey Alexander. Not sure if she's still publishing. Yeah. But, anyways, I mean, you have a connection to Shabby Dollhouse through Emma Inslee because you, I think, didn't you publish in uh, one of her early lit zines, Babe Soda? Yes, I did. I actually, if I'm remembering this correctly, I think she was the first person who published me. Really? Yeah. I. I'm how did you? How did you find out about her zine? I think it was through Twitter. We were just like Twitter friends. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I have one of your early uh, poems. I was wondering if you would want to read it. Which one? The Moon Zine. It's like about cult stuff. Let me pull it up. Oh yeah, that's the one I wrote about Evil Dead. Yeah. Um. Okay. I'll wait. Share it. Wow, I haven't seen that in a minute. Yeah, can you share it with me? Yeah. Do you see it? There it is. Yes. Okay. Do you want me to read it? Yeah. Cool. Okay. So the title is "Kill Her If You Can, Lover Boy." Um, Ash and I snuck into the forest to make love to a tree when a mysterious entity attached to our already deformed faces, hands, it was the hands possessed. Our minds are not responsible for demons released on page, the incantations, fencing about our tongues, lock me in a cellar, Ash. I'm known to stab men in the heart with pencils, impale the people I love, to save myself, dismember my body with a chainsaw so I can finally see how I look to the world, just pieces. Nice. I should go back to writing horror poems. <laughs> yeah, this is very Halloweenish. Yeah. So you would is this one of the ones that you wrote while you were on Sesame Street? Because I feel like the hands and like coming out and being alive is very Sesame Streetish. Yeah, this I definitely wrote while I was working there. Definitely. Um, were you on the were you on the set when you're like writing these? No, I was computers weren't allowed on set I, we were in like they called it just like um the box which was a room you would wait in while like filming was happening and so that's where i would sit and write and yeah i think like you should like write a novel like based on your time at sesame street that's actually yeah that's crazy you have 12 manuscripts though and like no one's taken them no one's taken them. I've been like a finalist like 1.5 million times for prizes. And it's is that a curse to be like a runner up or a finalist? I really think it's a curse at this point. Like I have I'm like I joke around at this point. I'm like, maybe I'll just remain the chapbook poet and I'll never publish a, a manuscript on purpose. Like because I already have three chapbooks published. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's just it's just I was doing your own. Like publishing my own book yeah i mean I, I it's possible but honestly like i know less than nothing about like the publishing side of things i've never like edited a journal i've never done like anything like that and so i would really like need a lot of help have you reached out you could reach out to rochelle i guess i mean she does that with 
uh, Peach. They do those anthologies. Yeah, well, I actually think I am editing an upcoming one for her <gasps> soon, which is going to be like my first foray into. Oh, certain... cool. Yeah. Yeah. How did you how did you meet Rochelle? Just like mm -hmm. sending your work into Peach? We were she published one of my poems um, on Peach that uh, called A Woman Walks Into a Bar. And maybe like a month or so later, I had gotten into my PhD program in Buffalo and I just tweeted sort of like moving to Buffalo, like, do I know anyone there? And Rochelle was like, like me, like I'm here. I got here and she was one of the first people like I met and took me around and um, we went on a walk at the park and she was just like, I, as soon as I like met her, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be my friend forever. Like we just have so many similarities she's just like one of the most genuine people i have ever met and like she's just such a force for in like the publishing scene and like she's just done so much for uh poetry in buffalo um it's like really amazing yeah her and aiden yeah. so you you got you got into the school first and then you sent out the tweet yeah i was i got in first and then i sent out the tweet oh uh, okay yeah cool so on this poem, mm -hmm. I was looking at one of your, the Buffalo school thing and it was like the grad students and like it had like all your interests mm -hmm. and it said one of them was like post-humanism. Mm -hmm. Does that have anything to do with this poem? What is post-humanism? So like... post-humanism, it like incorporates a lot of different, uh, different sort of theories but i would say the main way to summarize it is just like the idea that sort of um we've always been post-human um but like sort of there's no real distinction between like what we're seeing now like a lot of people assume post-humanism means sort of like the digital age but um actually a lot of like the sort of um traits of post-humanism are pre-humanism and so just like the idea that um there sort of is no hierarchy of we're no longer human we're no longer human there's no really there's no like hierarchy of like humans animals etc you know and that goes into your that does go into your poetry like even with this this poem also it reminds me of um one of your recent poems from in sepia and they seem very, very similar. Mm -hmm. And I like how over the trajectory of your creative career, the themes, they come back in and out. Yeah, and I I like what you're pointing out with that poem over and under, over and under, um, because I mean, they were written probably like, it's gotta be like, at this point, like six, seven years apart, maybe even more. Mm -hmm. um, but I think this, like you're saying, the poem in Sepia Journal is doing a similar thing to this, which is thinking about sort of like viewing the body after it's been sort of removed from its like human form and then seeing how the body views the world from that like positioning. Do you want to read that one? Yeah, let me pull it awesome. up. Awesome, cool.
you have it? No, I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hold Let me on. Try and get it. Isn't that terrible? Shouldn't I know where my poems are? To be fair, I recently got a new computer. Ah, what kind of computer? I got just a new um, MacBook because mine was so old and it wasn't functioning any longer. Aren't those like 1500 bucks? Um, no, I got like the Air, so it's like one of the like, you know, small, lower models. They're like 800 bucks. Okay, I can't find this. Oh, you got it? Okay. Yeah. Can you see it? Yeah. Cool. Don't scroll while you read it. I okay. I actually only see the page on Google, uh, like the. Not oh like the shit! I don't know what's doing that. Oh, uh, let me go click on it. Is it pulling it? It's not like pulling up. I keep clicking on it and then it won't pull it up. Okay. Let me just yeah, find. Let me it. go back. Let's do that there. That should work. Okay. You see it now? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So over or under. <clears throat> my alive body, the amount of shadow, animals I make with my hands on the disinfected wall, my dead body, the relationship between the conceptual, theoretical, empirical, rational, my alive body, my body, will you take me as a bridge, my dead body, the number of ellipses used to conceal thoughts, my alive body, how many hours the fire will spend, ridding the earth of us, my dead body, the price of the ransom we secure to save the ones we love, my alive body, the weight of the moon, my dead body, the weight of a metaphor made about the weight of the moon alive, my body, the sips it takes to finish a cup, of chamomile tea, I can see my body. Dead, the number of eyes I have, I can see my body alive. How long it takes lightning to reach lucidity. I have seen my body dead, my dead body. The tiny grain of ricin it takes to kill an adult human. I have seen my body alive. The odds of winning the lottery, my body dead, the apples rotting in the fruit bowl, my alive body, the notes in a siren song, dead, my body. How long you can eat honey past the expiration, date, my alive body, how fast it takes a flesh, eating bacteria to ravage the brain, the body, mine, dead. How many more years the cherry blossoms will bloom, my alive body, the lines in my palm, my dead body, the lines in this poem, alive, like my body. Yay. Not to like, not to burst my ego, but like, it's a pretty good poem. That's really <laughs> fucking good. Jesus. How do you, how do you get into poetry initially? So I was like always writing poems, mm -hmm. but during my undergrad um, at the College of Staten Island, um, in one of my film classes, a professor was like, hey, like, I really think you would like I needed to fill like a requirement of like this creative writing class with a poet named Kate Marvin, who is a really amazing poet. Um, and I took the class and I submitted a poem. It was like a poetry workshop. And 
week one, she was like, come see me in my office. I'm like, oh no, what the fuck did I do? Uh And then I went to see her and she was like, we're applying for MFAs. Really? Just like from one poem? One poem. Like, I mean, I didn't know anything about MFAs. Like I don't have, you know, my dad didn't even finish high school. Like I just had no idea. And so she gave me all these books to take home, just like opened my world to like different types of writing. Um, and uh, we worked together for the next like two years. I got so lucky, like she became a mentor of mine. Uh, she went to Iowa, but weirdly she went there for fiction, but she's actually mm-hmm. a poet. She's only ever published poetry. Um, and yeah, that's like sort of how my poetry career took off. Um, Did you send that poetry to? any places with that poem that, that i wrote in the class yeah n- n- definitely not because like looking back on it i'm like wow cringe like <laughs> oh but there are definitely i think poems in that workshop that made it in, or i took a couple workshops with her that made it into my mfa applications i feel like any poem though like you write in the be- very beginning of your career you're going to look back on and not maybe you think so highly of it because you have much more experience yeah yeah i think in that poem like i used like as a metaphor deer in the headlights and she was like okay never do that again wow (laughs) so what what do you attribute to being so maybe ambitious and experimental in your work because one of your poems i was looking at was like a mad lib yeah oh yeah that's the one i do at maudlin house right um yeah You know, like, honestly, I think it really comes from a couple of things, which was um, just like reading widely, like a lot of um, female experimental poets. Um, And, you know, also uh, when I was at Iowa, you know, Iowa's a weird program because it really does lean more traditional in the sense Mm -hmm. of people who get in. But Elizabeth Willis happened to be there when I was there and she's still there. And so I think there was some influence, her influence like really started to come through, which is that she was, um, had a hand in sort of giving poets a chance who applied there, who had more like experimental leanings. Mm-hmm. And the crew I sort of linked up with at Iowa, um, I would say especially my you know, very good friend at the time and roommate, um, Andrew Smythe, who's also a poet, really sort of um, opened my eyes to the experimental side of poetry and what poetry, that poetry could be play, it could be ecstatic, it doesn't have to be, you know, in couplets and down the line, Mm -hmm. which I'm very grateful for. And then, um, you know, Buffalo is like basically, you know, the experimental poetics, like capital of the world. Like, really? this, yeah, um, like Susan Howe and Charles Bernstein um, were here and just Robert Creeley. And like, there was just like a lot of language poets who have come through here. Um, so the influence is still really heavy. Yeah, a lot of your poems when I'm reading them and like analyzing them, thinking about them, especially the one my favorite one is the one where it's like a triangle and it says, this is a circle. That one just like, it blew me away. And I feel like when I'm reading your poetry, I sort of become part of the creative process and become 
a poet just through analyzing it in and of myself and it feels very playful when i'm thinking about it and what it means and i'm not like oh this is so hard i don't know what i'm doing yeah it's funny you say that too because earlier today i was hanging out with um this local uh buffalo poet and photographer who i just recently met his name's joshua um and we were hanging out because he's applying to mfas so we were just doing like the poet chat whatever and um, I was talking to him a bit about how um, he shouldn't feel like afraid to incorporate um, his photography like into his uh, practice of like basically submitting his poems, uh, you know, because I think that like what you're saying and then like what I was thinking about when I was talking to Joshua is that like maybe, you know, by placing the po- the picture in between two separate poems, you're forcing sort of the person who's engaging with it to actually think critically and become a part of the piece because it's up to them to sort of make the connections and th- try to figure out what is like happening there. And so I think like what you're saying is is definitely important to to poetics. And do you think the experimental uh, when you experiment it? is maybe, I don't know, deconstructing or maybe not attacking like the idea of the Western, of a patriarchal system of poetry. Because I know like some feminism poetry is very experimental, like bad, bad. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's exactly like where the movement like comes out of, especially with like female experimental poetry and language poets in, you know, the 90s and early 2000s. Like it was sort of this, um, this like way to say like, we don't wanna follow the rules that like the patriarchal sort of Western poetry scene has set up um, as what is like acceptable poetry or poetry that should be consumed and published. Um, And I don't know that anybody has sort of changed anybody's minds because we still see what gets published and read and I think that's okay but I I think that um just you know publishing it and and sort of on your own and sticking to to the practice of it is enough and sort of it's radical um representation yeah also, when I, I want to go back to one of the terms that you had on the Buffalo page, it was yeah. the, the gendered lyric. And like that was something that came up again and again and again when I'm looking into you. Mm-hmm. Can you could you like explain what that refers to? Yeah. So like the the gendered lyric is just sort of this like concept that like uh, women, you know, only write lyrical poetry. And like when and when I say lyrical, I'm referring to like uh you know poetry that is like very personal very confessional you know uh, sylvia plath gets roped into this like you know women who like can not divorce themselves from their emotions and just like are spilling on the page right mm-hmm. um and i think that there is something interesting in the way people talk about this sort of gender lyric because I actually don't think it's, oh, and also I should add in that like when men sort of use the lyric, they get referred to as sort of like prophets and vatics. And they're like these other god, these godly figures that like, you know, address the audience and get to like, you know, preach their knowledge from the inside. But when we do it, it's like, we're crying. 
And I don't necessarily think that, obviously that's a very reductive reading of women's like um, poetry in general, but, and also people just tend to read anything women write and be like, oh, this is lyrical. Um, but I actually think that, you know, it's important to recognize that a lot of the ways women are using the lyric actually might be in that way, but it's not a bad thing. And that's the problem. People see it as it's like a bad thing. Um, and I think a lot of language poets, experimental female poets have really played with the lyric in interesting ways to try to think about um, these, you know, reductive terms um, surrounding it, especially like poets like Leslie Scalapino, um, you know, Hannah Wiener, et cetera. You know, these are quote unquote experimental poets, but they are using the lyric to, you know, trouble these ideas. You're giving me so many names I'm going to be able to look up later. Yeah. You seem like you've done so much research and like you spent a lot I'm, of time. I'm like, I'm all but my dissertation. So I'm ABD, which means I spent the full last year reading. I think I, when I tallied it, it was like close to 200 books and articles. So I'm like, wow. it's like filled with information. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you plan to do? I mean, I guess I hope your one of your manuscripts gets like picked up. I I currently have another one that's existing in the ether right now that's like a finalist for something. Like so it's just like never ending uh finalist. So I'm like maybe this one will stick. How do you know when you're finished with a poem? I guess that's a very basic question, but I'm just wondering. I ask everyone that. How do I know when I'm finished with a poem? Because you have all these manuscripts, you must just like just get them done real fast. I'm like I'm really stubborn, and so like I believe that like when I'm finished with a poem, like when I think it looks good, it's good. And like, mm -hmm. unfortunately, I'm not very good at taking people's editing advice, which I think is good and bad. Um, but I feel like sometimes like when i start writing a poem like i already know where it it's gonna end and it's just getting to that ending so sometimes i'll really? even write, sometimes i'll even write the ending before i write the beginning of the poem um, oh that's a good idea yeah and so like I, I just have to i think sometimes get to that ending but i often know what that ending is gonna be and like on the one the one that like the in sepia one in some of your poems it feels like it's there's there's beats that repeat and you're reiterating them but you're filling in different ways of going about it i don't that's not a really good description but no i think like a I, way i think i know what you're saying like sort of the refrain i was using in there which was like obviously taken from the colloquial like sort of phrase over my dead body but the point of like dead body um it's like repeated a lot but i wanted to make sure that like it was you know played with and turned on in a lot of different ways um throughout the poem so i think you're like you're saying it hits like a similar beat because the rhythm's kind of the same sort of the same short length but i think each time i'm using it it actually is really different depending on what is filling it in 
and it builds up momentum and you are able to experiment in different ways of thinking about the term like there's another poem you wrote about the gendered lyric and you did mm -hmm. a very similar thing which one Ooh, uh, also, am i frozen uh you're going in and out but it's fine because this is going to be mainly audio oh okay good people I'm won't like, know oh okay i'm on a different wi-fi do you care if i switch real fast uh gonna knock us care. off oh will it no i, I think know. you'll you probably can let me stop the i'll have to stop the recording okay and then it would mess it up well maybe maybe it wouldn't mess up the recording if you got if you left and then came back okay you can give, me, give me one second all right Julian O'Neill is leaving. Coming back. Is this better? Sure. I was looking. I'm trying to get that poem up. Let's see. Yeah, I, I don't really see a difference. <laughs> Neither do I. Weird. Okay. It's better. Sure. Um, as long as you can hear me, I guess it's fine. Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, I'm gonna find that poem. After the gendered lyric at pigeonholes. Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I know which one you're talking about. Do you want me to pull it up? I can. Let me. I can share it. Ooh. Yeah, I think this one I really wrote um, when I was in the midst of applying to PhD programs, because they really sort of emphasize that when you're applying, you should like, whether or not you're going to stick with it, have like a proposed pop project. And so I was sort of really thinking about this concept of the gendered lyric, and this is how this came out of it. Would you like to read it? Yeah, I can read it. Awesome. Um, after the gen gendered lyric, Zenith, I shave my hair and soon I am made dangerous. After the gendered lyric, oh, miraculous fugue that saves the earth, no nails to hang your kill. I polish my fingers and soon I am made plastic. After the gendered lyric, ecologically opal stretching over an eternal universe, no, I am hysterical, embellished, violent, fanatical, melodramatic, mad, stylistic, concrete, certain, and flamboyant. After the gendered lyric, I repeat myself, making the alphabet over and over, no, I make a cage. After the gendered lyric, anxiety of animal, you put all of the cows to sleep, and now I begin to pray. After the gendered lyric, holy Hosanna in an act of contrition, I memorize my mother and father patterns. No, I wash my face with the paper the butcher wraps the meat in. After the gendered lyric, the bow and quiver, I hate illusions. No, I do not shout the names of saints. I do not disappear that way. After the gendered lyric, I do not use the word daughter. You do not use the word mother. No, after the gendered lyric, I almost title this elegy i almost hear the words confessional and delicate and truth about the female body yay i noticed the the after the gendered lyric is like capitalized and like bigger font than the other poem it's very yeah. play, very playful 
yeah um i sort of uh like i guess wanted to with making that that uh, size and bigger than the other words um well of course it's for em emphasis but again i was like really in uh phd application mode and like it was just like it felt like a title and so even as the refrain i still wanted it to have that title feeling which is why it's like bigger and more um you know pressed than everything else and then also i really like the way um you know i was a when i was able to break it on certain you know if it was just like lyric it was still bigger than the other lines and so it still reads as like a title almost but just yeah. like one um so yeah when you're writing these and you're creating do you have do you come up with an analysis like after the fact or as you're writing you're like oh this is what i'm gonna emphasize i think it's definitely while i'm writing it or before even yeah yeah sometimes i'll write something and then like in a workshop and then i have to start explaining it or talking about it and then i find things that i didn't even realize i was doing yeah well i think that's like the to me that's like the best part is afterwards right like after it's in the world and like people get to engage with it in all these different ways um which is something i always tell my students and i was telling them recently because we just started like our poetry unit and I was like, poetry like is not a puzzle. We are not solving anything. Like you, you're bringing yourself to the poem, and that's how we're going to analyze it and what the intention was. Like there's no sort of answer for it. Like it's how we bring ourselves to it. So yeah. So how do you mean it's not a puzzle? Like, do you think some well, people look at poems like a puzzle? Yeah, well, I honestly, I think that's the way they're taught from like such a young age. Like, um, I even remember being in like high school and like having like Ezra Pound uh, poems up there. Um, what's that one? You know, that famous one, Petals on a Wet Black Bow. Like, it's like three lines. I guess I should know it, right? Or the Red um, Wheelbarrow or whatever. Yeah. Um, who cares about pound? Um, but like, I just remember it being taught so much, like we have to figure out what it means. And like, yeah. there is a right answer. Um, yeah, I, I hate just, that shit. Yeah. And I just think that's like a really bad way to teach poetry. I find that like, it scares people into like reading poetry because they're like, oh, I don't get this. Or like, I can't get this. I'll never get the right answer. And yeah. 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 So what is your philosophy on it? My philosophy, like, I, I, I also don't think it's, like, productive to be, like, there's no right or there's no wrong answers, right? Um, but I think it really is about sort of, um, like, finding a more critical and open way to look at the poem. And I think it's okay that, I think it's important that you bring yourself to the poem, um, which is what I tell my students to do. Like it's, you know, you can bring yourself to the poem to form these interpretations. Um, and I actually heard like a really cool one in class on, what day is it? Is it Tuesday? So yesterday, Monday, um, I was teaching uh, some Dickinson and um, it was, I heard a fly buzz when I died. And like, I put my students in groups to sort of um, 
talk about, we were really talking about opening lines and then how they inform the rest of the poem. But then um, one group had this sort of like interpretation of how actually the poem is um, from the fly's perspective from the rest of the way down. Um, and they, this particular student sort of came up with it because she, um, like studies insects and animals. And she was sort of saying how, talking about how the, what flies, how their vision looks. And she was, she felt that there were a lot of cues in the poem um, as to like the colors that cover a fly's eye and how they would see the world, which I thought was like really interesting. Like, That's awesome. And, I, and I'm like, and is that what's happening? I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't, I, I don't think anybody's like theorized it like that, but it could be, it's a cool way to sort of think about it. And I think it's not productive. It wouldn't have been productive for me to be like, uh, you're wrong. It's yeah. not flies perspective, you know, like it actually yeah. opened up an interesting conversation and we all learned about flies. So <laughs> yeah, I used to, I used to get into arguments with like teachers about like my interpretation over a story and like there's like, there was some story back in like intro to lit where some guys like, going through people's backyards and like swimming in their pools and shit and like just going on a little journey and like i was arguing that it was a dream and like my teacher was like i don't think it's a dream and i was like no this is definitely a dream and they got like we got into a little tiff i'm but very yeah. stubborn yeah yeah like i mean what were we gonna do fight like you know what i'm saying like i feel like it just it allows from deeper conversations it allows just basic like critical thinking skills like you know it allows us to just like think better and i think that's what's important you know do you think it helps if you sit down and write like maybe a page of just your thoughts on a poem yeah. i was thinking that helps me yeah i think so and i mean that's absolutely what i have my students do i have them write their thoughts down before um first and i think first impressions of a poem like this like i think when you read one like even just to jot down a few things like I noticed this or um I feel this theme coming out I feel like this and I think that is like a really good way to start and also I think we you know should trust our sort of first instincts on stuff so yeah I always try to when I'm coming to a poem I all I have is like my past experiences what I've read and just yeah, life experiences and like those mix of those two things. I can't control what other people have in their life. And also it's it is hard when you're not in school and you have like a full time job to read to read poetry and then like uh to even write about it. But it's, it's still it's still very I try to, I guess. Yeah, no, it's so hard. It really is so hard when you have a full-time job to like find the time to do it which is why like you know every year which like clockwork it'll happen soon because mfa applications are due um soon like people like just rag on them and like i get it they have their problems i had my own problems while i was there with a lot of stuff um but at the end of the day they give you time to write especially for people who don't have those opportunities like i mean again i was working like 12 hour days like mm -hmm. and then i got to to spend two years like just writing um and studying. oh you're talking about mfas yeah i'm talking about mfas yeah, yeah okay like it's hard to do if you have a full-time job it is it's hard yeah yeah and you went to iowa how'd you get how'd you get in there i know that's a very controversial thing but 
this is funny because so I applied I did two rounds of applications. The first time I applied, my mentor, Kate Marvin, love her, but she was like, Don't apply to Iowa, you're never gonna get in. And I was oh, wow. Like, I was like, Why? She was like, I don't think she was like, it's not your writing. I think you're good enough, but they're just never gonna look at your application. Um, they're just not gonna look at somebody who went to the College of Staten Island's application to they're gonna, you know, it's liberal arts schools, it's Ivy Leagues and you know, for the most part, she was right, because that's who everyone was when I got there. But I got into two schools on my first round. I went to tour one. I won't drag them publicly, but I didn't have a great experience on the the tour. Um, and I was like, you know what, like, I have, I don't need to rush into this. I'm going to work another year, have a job, I have a job, um, and apply again. And I said to Marvin, I was like, I want to apply to Iowa, I want to do it. And she was like, all right, like, at your own peril. Um, and I did it and I got in. So what was appealing to you about Iowa? Just that it was the top. Yeah, I'm the top program. Elizabeth Willis was there who I really liked her work, wanted to work with her. Um, well, at least you had someone that you saw taught there and you wanted to work with them. You didn't just do it because it was the top school. Yeah. 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 So, um, what happened on this tour? The, I sat in on a class. And without me going into too much detail that will give away what the program, what program it is, the vibes were really bad. And everyone, all of the MFA students were not very welcoming. Um, I met with one professor who was very clearly um, sort of, what's the best way to put this? was like disparaging the own program and like honestly like was like not making it seem like an appealing place to be um was just sort of like yeah this is what it is like and nobody you know we're not the we're not the best and people aren't getting jobs and like i was just like okay this whether or not this is true it's not a good it felt off there's so so many professors that i know are like that yeah yeah, it's so many. And it's just, yeah. I was, um, I'm, I'm good. So I'm glad then, I didn't But go. then there's also a lot of professors that are very, they're fun to be taught by because they're excited about their work and they have a long history of research and doing what the fuck they're there for. Yeah. I mean, Kate Marvin, again, keep plugging her. Amazing poet, if you haven't read her. Um, her class was like, her classes, her poetry workshops at College of Staten Island were like famously known to be like the best classes, just super fun. Everyone wanted to take them. She was a fucking awesome teacher, like just loved what she does, cared about the students. And like to this day, I have, even after being at Iowa and Buffalo, like I have never been in a, like as good of workshops as Marvin held. I mean, they were warm and welcoming and opening and people were the talent that was in them in them at the college of Staten Island was just like on another level. And, um, I think because nobody was coming there with any sort of expectations, they weren't like walking into the classroom, like I'm going to be the next, you know, Ezra pound. Whereas like the vibe, that's what like the vibe in Iowa is like. Oh, really? 
that just like doesn't stink. So like there is just not a lot of sincerity, which is like what you need, like to mm -hmm. like have like workshop spaces that work. Yeah, I used to read uh, Brandon Taylor's tweets because he went to Iowa and he was not a big fan of it. Yeah, yeah. I think we just missed each other. But yeah, just like chaos, chaos. One of my, uh, which I guess, again, sort of went into why Marvin thought I would never get in. But like I had gotten like, there was like uh, some fellowships there. And like one of the prestigious ones like is the Truman Capote Fellowship. Like, this is not me bragging, but I got it. And mm -hmm. um, my first at the Welcome Barbecue, like a, a student who had graduated a couple years ago um, was there and he was like, oh, uh, so are, are you teaching? And I was like, no, like I got the, the Capote Fellowship. And he was like, I didn't realize they gave uh, Capotes to people who went to community college. What the like, fuck? Like just and just in front of all these people, just like dragged. Yes. I was like, "What the fuck?" Like, <laughs> yeah. One of the things, though, I like about what you do is that you you do apply to these fellowships and these grants, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people don't because maybe yeah. they they don't think they deserve it or they can get it. So, what do you yeah. what do you apply to that that you? ambitious and you go out for these things i just think that honestly like it, to me it's like why shouldn't i like i was just having a conversation with joshua to bring him up again i'm like why don't we deserve it like you know because we didn't go to ivy leagues or liberal arts spaces or our parents don't have phds and like you know there's like why like and i think the problem is exactly what you're saying which is that there are so many people who are like, I can't do that or I shouldn't do that. And it's like, no, like we need to fucking do that. Like we have to because like even in the PhD program I'm in right now, like I mean, the the people who get PhDs like are traditionally people who have parents who are well educated, um, you know, wealthy. Like I'm definitely the only person in this my whole like PhD program who went to community college and I'm one of a handful out of, you know, probably 50 that, um, you know, comes from a low income family. So it's just, we have to even like, I think people don't even realize that like, we're not even making a dent, you know? So mm -hmm. we have to like, try to at least include ourselves. We have to believe that we could, get in over you know everyone who went to fucking harvard and bullshit. yeah yeah, yeah I, I suffer from low self-esteem and insecurities for a long time and i think just living on this planet and going from day to day eventually i'm just like yeah i should go for some shit yeah you should go for some shit like yeah, and do something like this you know? do it let's let's yeah. do it let's let's you know let's do it together like yeah. That's what I was saying to Joshua too. Like we gotta like help each other and like uh, like let's let's you know all jump in a Google Doc, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you should be like a motivational like speaker. You have a great like story. <laughs> People love those stories of like low income family, community college. You worked your ass off. You're still working your ass off. I worked my ass off, and I I feel like that is just something like that. You know, all the time I think I recognize sort of 
the privilege that of like having Iowa on my resume and how that will affect me for the rest of my life. Like people will just, you know, I recognize that it's a privilege and it's gotten me to where I am at my PhD. But like, sometimes I'm just like, like, dudes, like, I don't think you realize what it took to get there. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, like I struggled, like I've been working since I was 13. I had two jobs. Like I didn't get to experience high school the way other people do. I didn't get to focus on my SATs and getting into a good college. I was, I left school, I went to the pizzeria and then I went to the ice cream store. Like, it's just like, I worked and I worked all through college. I had two jobs, like, and then I worked at Sesame Street while applying for MFAs. And like, I mean, my no joke, like, people will tell you like my hours were insane like mm -hmm. and it took me a lot to get here to get where i am right now like it was not easy i had to like make my own path like because i didn't have one like nobody was helping me that's for sure and like nobody was like telling me what i needed to do to to get there i was figuring it out completely on my own that's scary like yeah. trying to figure out shit on your own and like there's no person you can point to yeah like i i mean it's like stupid but like i say this all the time like i when i was in high school like i went to a catholic school and so you know we didn't really have real like guidance counselors and shit and like i didn't even know like i could apply like i had amazing grades like i didn't even know i could apply to like good schools like i just thought like okay i have to go to like a local community or like city college like Nobody even told me like, no, you should like apply to like Notre Dame or like you should apply mm -hmm. to like, like, cause I, and I just didn't even know, like, honestly. Yeah. When I was first like learning about you, cause I, I bought that strays pack yeah. from Aiden and like, I just remember reading your chat book and just being amazed by it. And then I learned that, oh, you went to Iowa. So I, I judged you at first and thought you were like this rich <laughs> person. But then I started looking into like, your tweets, I went through your, like your Twitter history, just trying to find out who you were. And I was like, oh my God, you're like this hard worker and you went to a community college. Yeah, like my mom works, is a, is a um, like para in the New York City DOE. My dad like w worked at Best Buy for years. Like, you know, nobody really went, nobody went to college or anything and yeah. So, when you teach your workshop, do you take things from that? Uh, who was it, Kate? Yeah, Kate. Do you take things that you uh, you liked and then you apply it to your own classes? Definitely. Um, and I think I've learned a lot also from other workshops, especially in grad school as well. But honestly, I feel like I feel like I've learned a lot about what I don't like from workshops. So I I think that has maybe taught me more than like what I then like good representations. Um, you know, I don't really love the whole silent model, which was something that uh, Pragita Sharma like had when I took her workshop. She's another poet um, had taught us or had tried to incorporate more of our own voice into the workshop. And so I try to let my kids um, 
whoever's poem or story is being workshopped, I try to give them an opportunity to be more, have more of an agency in the conversation than just like sitting there silently, you know? Yeah. I had a question that came into mind while you were talking. Yeah. And I, I know a lot of people on Twitter and like different communities that they or we or me, and sometimes I do this, you judge someone because they went to college or be, they, they applied MFAs or they have an MFA and they won't even maybe like read the other person's work. They just see that. Yeah. And they assume a story. So like, what do you say to those people? Like, um, I'm sorry. I is the question you're asking like people who are like who have like MFAs who don't want to read like people's no stories. like people that like don't have the money to go to college mm -hmm. and so they come up through poetry like maybe like through the internet and through different communities like on Twitter mm -hmm. but they see someone when the MFA or maybe you went to Iowa and they mm -hmm. judge them because maybe it's an insecurity but maybe it's also it's it's like us against them and it's also mm -hmm. like saying thinking that the people that went to college are more elite yeah and that they'll no, never fit into that institution or that group of people mm -hmm. i mean the thing is i think it's valid because i think i was one of those people once you know i think sometimes i still feel that way honestly like i think in my phd program i feel like i'm just like drowning sometimes among people who like are just you know they they're gonna get what they want because they have the money and the resources and the connections to do so um so i feel like that feeling honestly like it never goes away but mm -hmm. i do think it's important maybe to say that like i think we all just need to be a bit more open to each other and kind and you know i think before like jumping to any conclusions we all need to like talk to one another a bit yeah. more <laughs> or maybe like read your poetry first and then like judge. yeah yeah <laughs> i think those people would like your poetry actually so i think so too and if you hate it i think that's fun too like send me an email about why you don't like it really yeah. i don't i don't know if you'll like that <laughs> yeah has um, anyone done that you know i got my first oh no hate mail not too long ago and it was somebody um who read the strays pack um, oh what the and, fuck you know, I'm mad. Now, you know where yeah and then i sent it to um what they say i sent it to, i don't remember exactly i have the screenshot somewhere i have to find it um but he it was a very short and short and sweet it was like these are horrible you think you're so smart you're not you're like selfies you're stupid okay and so i sent it to agent and rochelle and then within like 10 minutes rochelle like tracked this man down and found out that he actually had been like arrested on like child like pornography charges and like had like a he, he's like a registered sex offender like so uh, we were like okay so we found wow. out <laughs> like okay your opinion is stupid like <laughs> a lot of people are buying these strays pack i know we were like how did this guy even get this <laughs> yeah so so how you, i want i want you to get public your manuscripts to get published i do too how do you how do, you how do we this? how do we yeah. manifest this have you 
Have you thought about doing one, one? You have so many. Have you thought about putting one out on the internet? I don't know. Maybe that's too cheap. But here's the thing that is like, here's like the big problem with that is like once I do that, like I become ineligible for like so many opportunities, like first book prizes or like stuff. Oh, really? I would need to like get a job literally. So, yeah. Do people associate you with that then if you do that once? If you put out your like, one manuscript on the internet? I don't know that people would associate you with it, but it in terms of like if I want to if I wanted to work in academia, like it would put me at a disadvantage. How so? Because um, they just wouldn't, you're, they want a book that's on like a press, a recognizable press. Something. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They're elitist. They won't count it as legitimate. <laughs> Would you ever start your own uh, organization? I don't think so. Unless someone really taught me something, but I don't think I'm like, I don't think I'd be good at it, honestly. What about a magazine? No, I think I honestly think I would oh. be really bad at it. You think you'd be bad at a magazine? Yeah, I, I do. I really do. I'm like, I don't even understand how everyone's making their websites. Like, I'm just so confused. Like, I mean, you how... made you made a great website. Um, um, I've had much help on it. Like, <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Um, I like the ad that's on the top of it. Oh, you like the it's a it's a line from a Marianne Moore poem. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, but yeah, I think I'd be bad at it. I don't know, but I'm gonna curate the anthology for for Rochelle, so maybe that'll be good. You could maybe maybe you make uh you could put all your manuscripts together and create <laughs> your own anthology of Julian Neely. You could parody other anthologies. Honestly, that's actually a really good idea. Like, I think that's great. Because <laughs> I've never seen that before. Yeah, that actually would be funny. And do you want to see, like, younger, like, women poets? Like, you want to support yeah. uh, community? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that no matter how much we... I just think it, no matter what advances etc like what our contemporary culture looks like like it's just uh, dominated by men mm -hmm. um the, even at iowa like the difference in the fiction program versus the poetry program was like insane like the fiction program had so many women in it and the poetry program was mostly men um, really yeah that's surprising but, yeah so it's just i think that like the more spaces for for female poets and that's why i think peach is such a cool space that rochelle has created um yeah have any of these guys gone on to publish that's gonna piss me off yeah they have uh yeah damn it i don't I like have... that someone is gonna want my manuscript i feel it yeah are they <laughs> any like, big poets that we would know yeah Ugh. I'm gonna keep my mouth shut though. <laughs> I'm gonna look up the year that you graduated and try. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, it's been about an hour. Okay. Would you like to keep going or to end it now? Because people like an hour. 
it's up to you like that's probably a good time right yeah do you have things that you have to go do no did you listen to the aiden uh podcast only briefly how I long because that's i've noticed people they if they do listen it's about a few two or three minutes oh you mine, think was, of it? mine was more than that it was like 12 to 15. oh cool how long what did you think like how long was his his was like no, like i mean how mm, well you already said you listened to it for 15 minutes i mean like uh what did you think of the section that you listened to yeah great i mean Aiden i'm still and, i'm very new at this so no you you're, any... doing, you're doing a great job and i think you're fun to talk to and aiden is like aiden could like talk to it like a wall and it would yeah. be such an interesting conversation so <laughs> yeah do you hang out with him a lot yeah rochelle and aiden like before they moved like we were like such good friends well we still are great friends and we see each other whenever they get they come back um but rochelle and aiden if you're listening please come back to buffalo please by the way before you jumped on i went on to one of those computer generated websites where you can make art yeah and there's, there's one where you can take pictures of people and like uh -huh. take take out their faces and i did that with rochelle and aiden and then you and then me and i uh -huh. put in like mup i put the term like muppet and it came up with some really crazy pictures if you would like to see them i would love to see them actually okay let me share also it. where are you right now you in ohio did you say i'm in tulsa i might have uh wait i might have clicked off of it Shit, i don't have it anymore no oh that sucks sorry <laughs> um you're in Damn tulsa it. And do you have an MFA? Nope. I'm still, I dropped out in 2014 and I worked at a grocery store for about to like 22 years ago. And then, but I went back in 2019. I'm still an undergrad. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you should definitely get your MFA when you're done. Well, yeah. Well, I probably won't have the money, but we'll go to a funded program. Y'all look, I'm what, you know, I'm one of those people that doesn't think I can do yeah. the things all right we'll cross the bridge when we got there yeah <laughs> i think you should make a magazine you think so yeah i mean you could work with peach what's your suggestion for like a title of a magazine yeah like if you were like if you had to pick out the title of my magazine like what do you think it should be called this is a circle I think that should be on a t-shirt. I think that should be on hats. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good name for a journal. This is a circle. And my my interpretation of that poem was like when you're in a job and someone or anything and someone like tells you what to do or what something is and you know yeah. for a fucking fact that it's not that. Mm -hmm. And I just that's how I felt about that poem. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. And when you were that, when you were yeah. writing that, did you like use other shapes or did you just go like this is a triangle, this is a square? Why did the triangle and the circle thing? I just love it's so perfect and like simple and basic. And it's like not what you think of a poem. It's just like very straightforward, basic language. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I only had the triangle in there and I was just thinking in terms of like the difference between 
a circle and a triangle seems more stark than like perhaps a circle and a square. Um, like even though they're not the same shape, they sort of like, you know, they both have like a sort of circumference that's happening that's more rounded than a triangle. So I wanted to make sure there was like a stark sort of difference in the shapes. Can I ask you about Emma? Yeah. So you guys, do you have you guys hung out? Never. 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 I was. Never I went through all of your tweets. Emma, let's hang out. Emma, she, you were staying at a Airbnb once in 2016. Yeah. yeah. Did that not work out? I thought you all hung out. No, we were. I, that was when I was in Chicago. I think we never met up. Oh shit. Y'all need to do a reading together because now she's writing stories. Emma, let's do a reading together. Um, I've never been to, where does she, I think she lives in North Carolina. I've never yeah. been, would love to go. Also simultaneously, if you've never been to Buffalo, like let's get Aiden and Rochelle on board. Let's do a reading. I think it would be so fucking fun. Would you do an online one? Yeah, let's do a Zoom reading. Why not? Or Google Meets reading. Google Meets reading. <laughs> what do you do you think those are boring sometimes? No, I love a Zoom reading. Oh. Uh, sometimes they're kind of boring to me. Yeah. That's why I like uh, Peach. Peach always puts on really entertaining readings. Yeah, you gotta get you gotta get good readers, you know, you gotta get some enter some life in there. I think it would be cool if you set up fake conflict within the reading. Like if you had if you set up like fake hackers that came in and interrupted the reading, but I then, think that would, yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. I've 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 run that by Rochelle before. I told her I what? Like, not that exact idea, but no. I was like, we should like start a fight in the Zoom reading. Like I and think it would be so funny. She was said no. No, not that she said no, but it just didn't happen. Who were you trying to set up the fake fight with? With her, like her and I would fight. Oh, like, what would it be over? It's a good question. What would we fight over? We'd probably fight over Real Housewives. Oh yeah. <laughs> so what? She what was? What would the fight? How would it happen? Like when you're reading, and then it would break out. We got to script this, but I yeah, I think someone just comes off mute and starts screaming. That would have been awesome. Yeah. It could still happen. I feel like I should let you go. But it's, if you have cool. any last questions, yeah. I want to know about the movies. What like about? the the script, the scripts that you've written. How far did you go into the movie making process before you ended the yeah. idea? Yeah. I made a ton of like short films with friends. One of my films oh. actually won What? Uh, the CUNY experimental film, uh, short film, uh, and it was about migraines, um, which I get. Um, but I wrote a full script. That was like my thesis. I wrote a full script. Um, and I actually, one of my goals in the next few years is to go back into them because I have a lot of scripts, in fact, um, and sort of look at them and maybe start submitting them again places because one of them the full length was a finalist for one of the script pipeline prizes so i know there's something there i just gotta i think go back into it with a more um 
adult eye and sort of figure out because I was like young, you know, like mm. what I was writing about. So how? What was the migraine one? How did that? Can um, I watch it? Can I go like on YouTube and watch it? Yeah, you can. Hold on. What? Let me let me send you the link right now. I think it's here. And how do you? You said you submit these. This one was in like my school, so that's oh, why okay. this was like a this was like a university content content. Did you ever want to direct? No, I didn't really like it at all. I always let my other friends do it. Mm -hmm. I let the okay. Would you yeah. ever publish a poem that was in the form of a script? Have you done that? I haven't. It's a good idea though. Yeah. How do I send you in this thing the link to the video? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Can I chat Mes with you? In call messages. Okay. There it is. And then Wait, I can... If you want to watch that later. Okay. Video unavailable. This video is private. Okay. I guess I need to go fix the settings. <laughs> I'll figure that out and then I'll message you and let you know when I've done that. <laughs> okay. So, would you ever make a movie that was like in the form of a poem? Yeah. Um, I think so. And I've actually had some friends who are still filmmakers approach me about like turning some of my poems into like short films. So, I think that yeah. would be really cool. Which ones? Um, I, well, I think somebody approached me about turning my chat book, The Body Beside Herself into like a short film. Um, but yeah, I would have to, we'd have to like sit down and cause I mean, they, they would direct it. So they would have to be thinking about what the sort of eye they wanted on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You should do the dead body one. Yeah. That one would be cool. It's pretty badass. Yeah. I was going to ask something about Emma. Did you know Emma was gay before she came out? No. You didn't? I, I've only interacted with her on Twitter. Oh. I just assumed she was gay. I didn't, I didn't, I've... Know, she, I didn't know she came out, I guess. I was surprised. Because I, I was assumed she was gay, but then I was looking into her. And I was like, oh, she had come out of the closet. Because in 2017, I had a Secret Santa gift exchange with her. Or like I was supposed to send her gifts because it was a shabby dollhouse thing. And I sent her like a Aaron Taylor chat book and then some other photography book. It was like on ball culture. And it was very gay stuff because I thought she was gay. I have only like, honestly, we've just had like very, like a lot of Twitter interactions. But I have no idea. Like, I will say my students, I always... um teach her chat book the karaoke poems and they fucking love it oh wait the, she has a chat book and her chat book too oh. with um the uh text message poems that the conceit was that she sort of like went into her iMessages and like searched a word um and my students fucking love those chat books every single time where can i get this chat book i have no idea I, was like, it like I, did she like release them in 2015 and then like never you know what? I now I'm wondering if she self-published them. I'm not entirely sure. 
it wasn't in 20, it, it was on it. It had to be like within the last few years because I've only been teaching them in the last few years. So yeah. When you read it, did you know that you were going to end up teaching it? You're like, I love this. Do you ever read something and like, just know you're going to teach it? Definitely. Definitely. I knew it the second I saw it. Same thing with, um, Rochelle's, uh, chat book. Um, why am I blanking on the name of it? But Any basically, graphic? say it again sorry in graphic mm, is that it or graphic t or something rochelle tornado let's see mm. did you know she was italian of course oh i didn't know that see i didn't know at first but basically the conceit of rochelle's chat book was that um it, it um was like all taken from like tabloid um, titles and then poems written about them. And then there were pictures of the tabloids that they were coming from. Um, and like, I was like, okay, my students are gonna love this. And what I like about like that and then Emma's book as, as well is like, it really teaches them that like poetry does not have to be one thing. And also they're both using really contemporary like kind of constructs and so my i find that like my students like get into it they're like okay what can i do with my cell phone that is like a project or what can i do with like tmz headlines so yeah i thought she took title or titles from uh celebrities the shirts that celebrities wore and she made those into poems maybe that was another project she did or maybe i'm making that up in my head i think some of them were shirt titles that's so creative and like i wouldn't have never even yeah it's so cool so cool what other uh little chat books do you teach you know what i honestly my students their final project is a chat book so the last like oh, that's cool the last week and a half of school, I bring in like almost all of the chapbooks I have and we just like look at them all and go through them and um, Slope Editions, uh, who published my chapbook, The Body Beside Herself, um, when I published mine had sent me um, a number of other um, chapbooks that they put out and there's this really cool one. Now I'm, I'm honestly blanking on the name and the author, but it's like in the form of like uh, letters and so there's a bunch of tiny envelopes and then like you open them up and there's just like these scrolls of letters wow. which is cool yeah how do you know when you're gonna create a chat book versus a manuscript could you, could you say what the difference is between a chat book and a manuscript i think a manuscript sort of is more malleable than a chat book um chapbooks like i i enjoy them most when they are focused and um they have sort of one thing that they're playing with for the whole book um i also really love a chapbook that is like one poem like i think that's really cool um instead of a bunch of like small ones mm -hmm. but i will that being said like a lot of my chapbooks are in my manuscripts so they end up making it somehow yeah yeah and your manuscripts are they i want to read one how, how like experimental do you get 
do you like form your manuscript over like uh, another art form and wait what and another question maybe you should answer that first and i'll get to the other question i think some of them are fairly not experimental and some are a lot like i have one manuscript in particular um called selfies that is just never going to get published because it is just filled with colored pictures and so that is i would say that's definitely my most experimental book um but it yeah it's just filled with pictures and well there's pictures of selfies they're all it's filled with all pictures of me that's cool <laughs> yeah so but again it's See, it's like that's an i think that could be an online chatbook yeah, you're right. It could well. It's like over a hundred pages. So. <laughs> oh well, I think Peach could like publish that. Yeah, Peach, publish it. If they do like a special aside project that's only <laughs> for you. The thing is, nobody wants to publish it because it would cost so much money because it, of the color. Oh, color costs more. Yeah. Oh. And like you'd probably never turn like these presses would like never turn a profit on it. So oh, okay. So what? Until I die, and then someone can take a look at it. What <laughs> other art forms specifically influenced your your poetry? Like any like songwriters or movies or like photography or shows? Um, I love like um, I love like experimental like film i would say mm -hmm. that is definitely um influential chantal ackerman i think like something i really admire or try to emulate about chantal ackerman's films um is her pacing like i feel like watching her movies is like watching a poem in action like they're like just slow and they hit these beats and they're about the everyday and like they're you know irreverent and i just really feel like the form that she's using in her films is like is honestly it's poetry to me what movies has she created um so my favorite that i feel like is uh, really uh important to my work i'm gonna butcher it because it's the titles in french but um it's like jet to ill l and so it translates to i u he she um and it's okay, i u he she he she he she um and all of her films are like you know they're like epics they're like three hours long like and it, some of the scenes like there's like a scene I love that goes on for a really long time where she's just like sitting on her bed eating sugar. Like it just goes on for what? so long. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a Marvel movie, three hours. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It is it is like a Marvel movie. <laughs> do you do you like Marvel? I got that in tension from your tweets. It um, seems like maybe you knew some Marvel stuff and I enjoy watching the mess. Yeah. I find this to be very funny. Um, Is that because you have brothers that maybe like Marvel? I have brothers that like Marvel. Um, I just also have one of my friends, Spencer Williams, who's an amazing poet. If you don't know her, check her out, everyone. Um, but she's like the movie queen. She goes to see every movie on earth. And, um, 
like it's just honestly fun like we just go see these stupid movies like because it's fun mm -hmm. like you know and yeah which you maybe know, people would be mad at but i don't really care do you know orchid yes how'd you meet them I, I i've never well i guess orchid and i met once but orchid and i are both from staten island which is how we like came across each other because well, I guess Orchid found me on Facebook because we had a bunch of mutual friends who were poets, but then we also had our nun principal in common as a friend. And so Your Orchid, what? Like the principal of the school we both went to. Um, oh, really? Sister Janine, shout out. She was so Orchid was like, wait, like, why do we have all these poets in common? But then also Sister Janine. And that's when we figured out we went to the same uh, grammar school. I mean, we're like 10 years apart, but um, yeah. Oh, wow. I just knew they were like really good friends with Rochelle. And that's, I assume that connection was how you knew them. Yeah, we never crossed paths in Staten Island, but sort of figured out afterwards. That have you met them in person? Once for like a hot second. What are they like? They were nice in person for, for that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> she goes see a wrestling show with them. A, a wrestling show? I don't know. I don't, you got to go with Aiden and Orchid. I don't know. A wrestling show? I don't really want to go. But I guess, if, oh, okay. I, I guess if I was dragged there, I would go. But what, maybe, what do you what do you assume? What are your what are your judgments on wrestling? I don't have any judgments. I'm just like, I don't want to go. Like, oh, you don't want to go to a big event? I don't I know. That. It's like the same thing with the Bills. Like, I think they're so fun to watch. I think the whole culture around it is really funny, and I enjoy it. But I'm like, I think I would cry if I went to a game. Like, I don't think... Why? I, I think I would be, like, like, what is going on? Like, tons of screaming people. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's wrestling, too. Yeah, it is. But just yeah. screaming people freaking out with so yeah. the excitement i think a poetry show should be like that though i actually do agree with you like we need to figure out a way to make poetry readings like more lively than they are yeah because sometimes they're kind of boring yeah yeah do you do you read when you read i noticed you don't read like other people read say more <laughs> like there's a certain tone and inflection that poets have always had. I mean, I even listened to an NPR like program in my car about how there's a certain way poets read. Poet like, voice, it's horrible. Yeah. yeah. No, I do not read in poet voice. And something I like, something I feel like is important that I like to do is I, when I read my own poems, like, and this is a personal preference, I like to adhere to my own line. Like, so I, prefer to read the break rather than read it as a sentence does that make sense like yeah. i don't like i don't like i want to like read it where it breaks which i feel like is where some of the um which is where like a lot of the energy is i feel like so i like i i, I like love when people read at the break so you mean like when they they take they space out their read they end at the line Big break yeah. and then continue on. Yeah, that's how I feel like people should do that. That's the point of the poetry. That's why you end it at a space and then you pick it up in the next line. 
Yeah. I, I, I love that. That's the, I love doing it that way. And I, 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 I feel strongly about it too, because I'm like, I broke it for a reason. Yeah. Like, and it's supposed to sound a particular way on the next line. Like, even if two sentences are together. So I want to read it as I intended it to be like sort of consumed. So, yeah. Do you think other poets like sit down and they listen, they like look up a video on poet voice and they start training themselves or is it like something natural that people just come to? Cause it's no. weird that everyone kind of does it. I know for a fact people practice poet voice. I know this for a fact. Have you seen it? I, People get like small groups and like we're gonna practice this annoying voice. I haven't seen it, but I know it happens. And it's like just this like thing that's kind of represents this elite institution. Uh, You're supposed to be this way. You're supposed to do this thing to represent what this idea of what you have. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's a reason why poet voice is so like articulate but also toned down and like proper and like, it's just, you know, very um, conservative, honestly. Like it's a very conservative way to deliver poems. It's so white. It is so white. It's yeah. Patriarchal white shit. Yeah. So when you, when you started out and you're going to readings, did you pra you practiced? No, I wouldn't say I've ever really practiced. The only time I ever ever practice is when people are like being strict about time. So I'll like practice just to make sure I don't go over. But like I never really ever practiced my voice. I was just like, you know what? Like I don't want to read like that. I want to read how I broke it. Like I broke it this way. Like yeah. so yeah. Do you, do you notice any of your friends doing it and you get annoyed, but you don't say anything? No, I, they could do whatever. I mean, I would say, like, I love all my poet friends. Love you all. But, like, 96% of poets read with poet voice. So, like, you know, we all know them. We love you. <laughs> they need to stop, though. They need to <laughs> reprimand them. Yeah, so. Have you ever put on a reading? I would say the answer to that lies somewhere in the middle because I'm the poetics assistant at my program. And so I literally organize every single reading. Oh, um, they're not necessarily like I wouldn't say like they're my idea or I put them on, but I organize every single reading. You pick the poets? Um, no, the like the poets oh. are out and then like I organize the actual reading or if we're doing like an in-house like student reading um we'll put out a call um and then different people will host so like I've hosted two of them um but yeah and I'll ask you this last question oh wait two last questions who who do you want to hear on here moving forward oh okay um well, if you haven't done Rochelle, you should definitely do Rochelle. Yeah, I want to do Rochelle, and I want to talk about her book, That X, because I fucking love that book. You have to talk about That X. She's also just, like, so... She's, like, the best personality. She's, like, larger than life. Yeah, and I feel um, like That X didn't get a lot of 
promotion because there were a lot of issues when it came out with like COVID. it came out during the time of covid Mm -hmm. and like it got like delayed don't get me started because we'll need to do another podcast but bad x deserves so much more press than it got yeah it fucking does and i i'm glad that you're angry about it too because i'm pretty pissed no i'm fucking pissed about it still and like i think it's a testament to that book that without the without a lot of press it sold so well and i just feel like it has it had and you know it still has the opportunity to be a book that i think reaches a lot of people um so yeah i think Rochelle. um who else Um, emma say emma yeah, um, let's get Emma on here. Um, but someone friend, maybe I don't know. I, I'm thinking my maybe like my friend Spencer Williams. I don't know if you know her from Twitter, but you should check out her work. She's an amazing um, contemporary poet. She has a book coming out in 2024 on four-way books called uh, Trans, T-R-A-N-Z. Um, and she's also like a widely published film critic. So like she would be really cool to talk to yeah okay and then i was gonna ask you another thing i forget now are any questions that i you want to be asked no no ask me what my coffee order is what's your coffee order okay ready everyone it's an iced latte with oat milk and a pump of french vanilla that sounds good do you like it's, the pumpkin spice? It's fine. I, I I'm not gonna disparage it, like or or I, I think like it's reductive to be like it's basic, but I prefer French vanilla. Yeah. yeah. Are do you do you speak French? Absolutely not. Oh. <laughs> have you been to France? I have not. Would you where did you go when you ran? To England? Uh Berlin. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Are you gonna do ultra marathons? Oh, I want to do an ultra. I really do. I do want to do an ultra. You, That's you, it's on my radar. What about an Ironman? No, I was just talking about this the other day. I, you know what? This is embarrassing. I'm gonna admit this on this podcast, but I don't know how to swim. It's not that hard. You just but put it, out your hands and you do this <laughs> over and I, over. I've tried, like I can't do it. I can't tread water. Like I'm really bad at it. I failed uh, a swimming class when I was like eight because I w- wouldn't put my head up. <laughs> I kept doing it forward. And so I, I had failed their class. I feel like I would need a lot of lessons in like a kiddie pool. You could learn though. Yeah, I yeah, you're right. I could learn. Be ambitious. Yeah, right. Yeah. Learn to swim. <laughs> yeah, learn to swim. <laughs> Maybe you could do really well at the other things. And then maybe you know you're not as good at swimming. So then you work hard at the other stuff. Yeah, I could do really great at the biking, really great at the running, and then I'll just drown in the water. <laughs> maybe not drown. Yeah. <laughs> wear a life jacket. Yeah, I'll wear a life. I'll just like float. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't swim? No, never. Do You don't go do water stuff? Mm-mm. Oh, no. what are what other things do we not know about you? Did it, it 
I find that this always surprises people, but if any of you all were ever to meet me in person, I'm only 4'10". Wait, what? Yeah. I think I give off taller energy, but I'm pretty you do. soft. Yeah. What, you're 4'10"? Wait, I'm, what? Yeah. I'm, I'm short. What's the height? I thought like below 5'2". Maybe it's 4'2". It's like dwarf. Are you yeah, dwarf? I think, it, I think it's 4'2". Oh, okay, that's my bad. Yeah. I'm not sure the exact number, but but I'm short. How tall is Rochelle? Like 5'3"? No, Rochelle's like only 5'1", I think. I thought... That's confusing. I have to think about this. Oh, well, I'm 6'4", so if I ever meet you. Did you say you're 6'4"? Yeah. Okay, so we would be like a full, almost two feet apart. Yeah. <laughs> that would be very funny. It would be. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... That's the... I think that's the thing people are most surprised when they meet me. They're like, whoa, you're so short. I'm like, yeah, I know. We have a lot of energy. Yeah, like a chihuahua. <laughs> Is that your favorite dog? No. Uh, I have a cat. You have a cat? You don't like dogs? I No, I do like dogs. I have a family dog who actually, Chip, love him so much. He's, he's, um... Is he okay? He's 16 years old. Oh, well, at least he's still around. He's still around. He's He's not doing so hot, though. Well, 16. Yeah. It's understandable. Yeah. So it's like a family pet. Yeah. Have you written any poems about him? No. But I, I should, I guess. Do you think the poems that you write are considered concrete? Or does that bother you? I don't have any problem with that word. I just don't think they're what I'm writing. I mm -hmm. think, you know, I because think concrete. Yeah, I think that people, they're fun to write. I think, like, they actually, like, have a really interesting space in experimental poetry, but I just don't think that's what I'm writing. What do you think when you think of the term concrete? Like, what pops up in your head? A, a poem that, like, that its themes and inner workings and turmoils, like, are represented, like, literally by the shape of it. Mm -hmm. uh, like, like it, it, the meaning of it, you get more from the vis visual aesthetic of it than from the words. Yeah, like, I'm, there's that famous, like, James Merrill poem um, that's called Christmas Tree that's, like, literally in the shape of a Christmas tree. Like, that was published in Poetry Foundation. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like it really is, like, taking the shape of what's happening. It feels a bit gimmicky to me. So maybe I feel like maybe because it's... Maybe I look down on it, so then I feel like poems that I like, if people call them concrete, I feel like attacked. But that's my own problem. Yeah, and again, I just think it has to do with, like, you have that connotation. It's not like you came up with it. It's because of the way we're, like, conditioned to think about these things. Yeah. And I always, once a semester, have my students make concrete poems, and I get really cool, amazing ones. Last year, I got an a poem shaped like a nike air max like it was oh that's awesome incredible um 
so again, I just think we like reorient our thinking around some of this stuff. So you teach forms? Oh, definitely. What's your favorite form? Could you teach us something in this podcast before we head out? Like something that people don't, maybe something that your favorite thing to teach, or maybe you learned something back in the day that you want, like a form that maybe people don't know so much about. Like I'm taking this, my Brit one survey class, I learned about Voltras and like the first eight lines is about a subject in the last six lines that sort of changes just in a very small way. Yeah. I thought it was cool. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say that like I have a favorite form to teach in. I like form a lot. Um, you prefer free verse? I don't, I don't know. Like I, I see, here's like the tricky thing. Like I, I think I write in form, mm -hmm. like, you know, who's to say, like, I, I feel like I'm writing in form. I have a form. Um, and I, I like form. Like I actually, like, there is a couple like experimental poems I have out there that have some hidden sonnets in it. Like love teaching sonnets to my students because I think that they, really get excited about the turn and the moment and like I find that like people who are new to the form can like really really get in and use that turn in like really dramatic ways which is really cool um but I I I mean I teach all forms I like all forms like form is cool don't let anybody say it's not cool mm -hmm. um, and also there aren't like 10 forms like it's not like oh there's only sonnets and uh couplets and you know whatever the fuck all the forms are um like there's forms that are still being invented every day um and so i guess i would ask everyone to think about that question like what's your favorite movement in in general like of the body no like, like <laughs> i'm like what's my favorite movement like, yeah what, wait what is your favorite movement of the body just like an uh -huh. arm running running unfortunately it's when you amazing. run are you uh not thinking or do you like look at an object and you move towards the object i've been trying to do that more like today on my run, I was really focused on a spot and running towards it because I'm trying to get faster and that's the way to do it. Yeah. Do you listen to music? I do. Yeah. Like Taylor Swift. I really do listen to her while I run. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> like remixed? Um, no. No. Mm -hmm. What about Carly Rae uh, Jepsen? No, I don't. No? Oh, okay. Carly Rae. Yeah, she's pretty good. Or I like it. I, I, I listen to a lot of like female bops when I run, like Florence and the Machine. Oh, uh, there you go. You know. Have you ever written a song? Never. Never? Have mm -hmm. you ever been into singing? No. Oh, you got to. No, no one's going to want to hear me sing. You got to do all the all art forms. <laughs> I like I people don't want to hear me saying trust. 
<laughs> you could work it into your poetry. Yeah, I'll start doing doing songs. Um, Aiden yeah. can play the guitar. Does Aiden play guitar? I have no idea. Oh, all he right, probably well, does. He probably does. Yeah. What 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 did you like about his book? Which one? The letters, where he took oh. letters from people. Oh, what what did I like about it? First off, when I first saw it, I was just like amazed. Like it just like I thought it was so beautiful to look at. First of all, like just like so aesthetically pleasing. Um, and something I just love about Aiden and which I think speaks to that book is like his sort of um commitment to like artifacts and like keeping things and he has like this really this interest sort of in like um how the artifact like forges the relationship and then what that looks like when perhaps the relationship isn't there or like perhaps somebody's not in that like like I don't mean like boyfriend girlfriend I mean like just like overarching like relationships with people like maybe somebody died but those artifacts are still there so I think that um that's something that's really interesting about that book and yeah when I was reading that book it I never really thought of Aiden I was like thinking of these of the voice in the letter and also how the 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 font or the writing style totally creates a character mm -hmm. and a personality. Yeah. That was very cool to me. Yeah. He needs to write more poetry. Aiden he does. Didn't, did you see him speak at the reading, at uh, the Shabby Dollhouse reading? No, I didn't. Oh. Uh, have you ever, did you ever try to submit to Shabby Dollhouse? No, but now I'm thinking I should since we manifested it. Well, I mean, back in the day when they did their magazine. No. Oh, did you ever hear about them? Not until I met Rochelle. Oh. Mm. You should go to one of their book things on Sundays. I don't know. Do they have like book club? Yeah, their book club. Although right now they're doing theater, so maybe you might not want to do that. Theater. Have you ever written? A, have you ever written theater? Mm-mm. No. Why not? I don't know. I don't think I know how. You wrote scripts for movies. <laughs> I feel like playwriting's so different. Though. It's the same thing. Is it the same thing? I don't know. <laughs> Have you been to an opera? Aiden went to an opera. I haven't been to an opera. You should go with Aiden and Rochelle. Yeah. If I'll go and Aiden has to buy the tickets. Are they expensive? I don't know. I'm just, I, he just has to buy the tickets. Do they have lots of money? Are they like rich? No, I just, I'm oh. forced to buy them because that he, he, it's, it's what he owes women. <laughs> or tickets to Broadway shows? Tickets to the opera. Oh, have you been to the Broadway? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I mean, I grew up in New York City, so my parents. <gasps> took us from when we were young um like they took us to see beauty and the beast and like That's cool lion king like stuff like that what was new york like in the 90s i mean i was like a little kid so Wait, how old you're in your you're like 20 i just turned 30 oh you're 30 there you go yeah. 
So, I mean, I don't really remember. And also, I lived in Staten Island, so, like... That's really... New York. Yeah, it's New York, but, like, it's very suburban, like... Isn't that... I don't know New York's geography. It's just, like, it's below um, Brooklyn, and it's a little to the side of Lower Manhattan. And it's fun, the fun place? It's, like, the least fun place. Oh. I thought it's... Newark was, like, the worst. Newark's in Jersey. Oh, is that not New York? No. Yeah. New Jersey's not like one of the five places in New York. No, no. It's Staten Island, Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens. And New Jersey. And New Jersey. There you go. New Jersey is actually in Times Square. <laughs> Why do you think it gets a bad rap? Staten Island? Yeah. Oh, it deserves its bad rap. It's, like, filled with, like, racists and, like, just, like, homophobes and, like, fucking... It's the place... And this all has to do with the fact that it's the place where, like, 90% of the NYPD lives. Oh, really? Yeah. I know Pete Davidson came from Staten yeah. Island. Yeah, yeah. Pete Davidson actually went to the same high school as Orchid. Oh, really? Your high school too? No, no, I didn't go there. Oh, did were they like classmates? No, I think Pete Davidson's my age, so I think there was like a ten year gap. Oh, yeah. Do they have? Do you, can you go by like Pete Davidson's house and it's like commemorative? No, because I think his mom still lives there, so I think she just like lives on a on the south shore like he's pretty rich i bet he probably bought her a house yeah he did he bought her a house like on the south shore which is like the rich part of staten island how big is staten island is there rich and poor places yeah or is it all the same oh no like the closer you get to the tip of like manhattan like that's where like there's like poverty and stuff but the lower you get, like the South Shore, it's just like filled with fucking rich people. What are your favorite memories from Staten Island? I went to an all-girls high school that was just oh. fun. That sounds fun. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. It's closed down now, and rightfully so. <laughs> what happened? There just wasn't much learning happening. Like it wasn't oh. like credited like there we were being taught by like nuns who like didn't have degrees like it was just a free-for-all that's awesome yeah so there's there's are there less racist in uh, buffalo in staten island oh yeah. buffalo is very liberal this is like a liberal city it's like your classic like neoliberal city like staten island is conservative they're like the only oh really like, yeah, in New York City, like they go GOP like eighty six percent. Like it's like completely conservative. Yeah, I see. Like on um, like the buses in Buffalo, y'all have like poems on the side of your buses. Yeah, I mean, like everywhere you walk around in Buffalo, like there's like a pride flag or like an in this house we like. It's like that vibe. But mm -hmm. on like everywhere you walk around, there's like Trump flags and like Blue Lives Matter flags and yeah. Do you have you written any poems inspired by Staten Island? Yeah, I have. <gasps> Which ones? I wrote this one poem about being on the Staten Island ferry, which is like one of my favorite things in the whole entire world. It's nobody ever published it and they won't. So I just like tweeted it one day. Oh, nice. 
Hey, yeah. did you ever uh, finish that Joker poem? Yeah, I mean, it's it's finished. I just, who wants it? Like, who wants it? And did, you, <laughs> did your dad really die in 9-11? Uh, no, no, no. That wasn't what was being said in it. He was in the, the, he worked in the trade centers. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to confuse the speaker with you, by the way. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> Does that happen a lot with you when people read like one of your poems and they go, they oh. assume it's you? Yeah, it's just, it's totally a girl thing. Like they just think we're like the speaker. Like, I've heard that a lot, even from teachers. Yeah. But like it's a sexist thing from oh, reading. Yeah. yeah, they just think it's us. Like, especially if a poem is like shows like any sign of emotion, it's like, it's got to be her. And that goes back to the lyrical uh, gender yeah. thing. Mm hmm. Why do you think that is? Is it like a psychological thing or like a patriarchal? I think it's just, yeah, completely, you know, men are like rigid and like, you know, they're critical thinkers, whereas women are like hysterical, right? And I think that is just sort of really the basis of it. Yeah. Do you think it'll ever end? No, never. <laughs> never yeah probably not yeah when you read uh poems from a guy do you ever attribute the speaker to them In... <sighs> it's i i feel like i'm struggling how to answer this question because i try not to question i guess no i try not to ever attribute the speaker to the the author but like it's just sometimes like it happens i really think that like especially with like the new format of like instagram poems and this is not me shitting on instagram poems but like there's like all those like guy instagram poets that are like i lit my cigarette in her mouth and kissed uh. her and like you can, I feel like you can't help but like read those and be like, okay, this is like the slimy guy like trying to be like hot shit, you know? Like it's hard to be like that is like that's the speaker, like you know. Mm -hmm. so. What queer poets do you are your favorites? Oh my god, what queer poets are my favorites? God, I feel like everyone's queer. Um, Yay! De definitely um or maybe a queer poet that has significantly influenced you in your art i gotta go with hannah wiener what has she written for there she's written? like an experimental language poet from um the 90s and 80s and um she was amazing um she's dead now but how'd she pass i don't know she died she's been dead a while what are her poems like she had this amazing i mean she her whole like they're very experimental and her whole like everything she's put out i love and i study but i particularly love her book called code poems um, code poems which is a really interesting um 
book that deals with like code pre-internet like different different a different kind of code like a naval system code which is really cool like what what is that she like like the uh, the semaphore alphabet which is like sort of code they use like with these used with they might still use them with flags like for the navy with boats um yeah i didn't know there was a code before the internet that's crazy well like coding in a different sense right like not yeah. like coding different types of coding like Where Morse code code. or something. yeah like yeah have you ever invented your own code actually kind of because i whoa have a, what You've i have a so poem much. i have a poem where like i code in it is that the one that's on dooski did no okay. that's different oh yeah which one did you write your own code may find it on my website you update your website like right after you publish no i need to i have so many things i need to add to that <gasps> like what are, what's the most recent thing you published it's not the insepia one we need your work we need to read your poems. i published something recently i can't remember <gasps> this where's this poem um the recluse because not everyone goes on twitter right away when they publish something sometimes they don't say anything Oh no, the uh, domain's been taken down. Sad. Fuck. Does that Sad. piss you off? Yeah, kind of. It was a good poem, but maybe I'll submit it somewhere else now. Can you do that? Do magazines get. I mean, pissy? it doesn't seem like it exists anymore. Yeah, so. I know. I feel like there should be a place for magazines. That's stupid. I feel like they should warn you or like give you a heads up. Yeah, now I got to pull you're... that. That's some bullshit. Yeah. Does that happen a lot? Apparently it happens a lot. Well, I feel maybe not just like you personally, but I think that would happen from true other writers. Yeah. And then you go and you can try to find your poem. It's not there. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to get to I'm trying to get to two hours. We have seven minutes left. We have seven minutes. Yes. Are you gonna upload this whole thing or are you gonna edit it? No, I don't edit these. <laughs> I like the raw audio and people you like get, the raw audio. And people get to experience what real life is like. So people are gonna like hear me sipping on my Dunkin' Donuts. I don't think they will hear that. <laughs> well, I hope they do. Is it it's from Dunkin' Donuts? I do have one here from Dunkin'. I finished it though. It was like the one place my dad wanted to visit when we were in like New York. Like he had to go to a Dunkin' Donuts because we don't have any down here in Tulsa. Oh, I always forget that they're an East Coast thing. Yeah. Did he like, go? It's just, yeah, but it's just like another fucking place to buy donuts. It's just like it's it's mid at best, but yeah. And there's like great. There's like one along the New York main road where people want to go to. Yeah. Oh right, yeah. There's like the the probably like the Times Square one or something. Yeah, because our we were going down for some family thing. My grandma, who's a Quaker, she was buried in Prospect Park, and there's like a little 
Quaker cemetery that's like closed off to everyone. And I wow. got to go. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. No one knows about it. It's pretty cool. And like you have to be like a Quaker and know people to even get into it. Oh my God. Yeah. It's fascinating. And like we we weren't there that long, but I got to go to like one of the bookstores uh it's famous that's like red it has like red strand huh the strand yeah the strand yeah mm -hmm. and i went in for like like five minutes and i bought an, a book from alexander chi that was signed oh yeah. sick awesome yeah it was awesome who's your favorite essayist have, um, do you have you you've written essays yeah mm-hmm Who's my favorite essayist, though? I don't know. Do you do Kathy you have a lot? Use, huh? Kathy Acker, probably. Okay. Do you use a lot of uh, poetics in your essay writing? Yeah, I feel like I basically only write like creative nonfic or like non. If I'm writing an essay, it's definitely gonna like be lyrical or like a little bit experimental. Um, yeah. I thought you didn't like lyrical. No, like I do like lyrical. I do. Uh -oh. I don't like the theorizing around it. What's the wait? Like the mean? sort of reductive, like oh, write lyric and lyric. So you do write lyrical, but you don't like how people think about. I think I write a little bit lyrical, and I think that I experiment with it. Yeah yeah have you written fiction before yeah yeah tons of fiction like a short story short do, you, story. do you, you have a novel i do have a novel <gasps> i have a full novel you have so much shit i actually took a novel writing workshop last is it over the summer it was over the summer because like we get like professional writing funds like for the like being in in our union basically gives them to us um so i took like a novel workshop through 92y and um yeah what's it about can't tell you why not <laughs> you'll find out when it when it comes out <laughs> have you sent that out to places i have actually do you think once one of these things gets picked up the others will then get picked up I think that's absolutely it. Yeah. It always fucking happens. Yeah. And then if like you're well known or famous or something, like you could write some not so great thing and it'll get picked up. Yeah, absolutely. Pro back Pragrita Sharma, one of my uh workshop teachers at Iowa, she used to always say you gotta sell out for the first book. This way you could write whatever you want after it. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's a good good point. Yeah, because you once you get the money, then you could do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Have yeah. you written uh have you thought about writing like a Harry Potter sort of style? <laughs> you No, but I I would I I'm in like I'll like ghostwrite some shit if people want me to. Like I'll do it, why not? <laughs> would you ghostwrite? Yeah, definitely. Like if what if you like had a ghostwrite for like some famous person and then they started making weird ass demands? Yeah, that's I I think that would be funny. That would be awesome. Yeah. To an extent. I've heard yeah. some like people they're like assistants for other poets and they had like really terrible experience. 
Oh, I'm sure our poets are horrible. What's the who's the worst? What's the worst experience you've had with other poets? Oh my god, I really should shut my mouth. I'll just say that <gasps> there was a professor at Iowa who was horrible, still remains horrible and that a group of us had to without me divulging any further had to literally file a title IX complaint against whoa and they're still there mm -hmm. how many once they're like in the system can they just get away with anything yeah that's why nothing happened i mean they were found guilty and there were sanctions but tenure protects you from fucking everything so they're back teaching and back doing bullshit that's fucked up. Yeah. Did anyone write an article on it? No, because everyone's fucking afraid of the workshop. We tried to reach out to presses, um, not presses, to like outlets, like newspaper outlets and two different outlets. Again, I'm not going to divulge or say anything, but two different outlets killed the story because, I mean, the rumor is they got pressure from the workshop to, to do it. Is there a point in your career where you could come back on here and divulge all the information. Oh yeah, definitely. Are do you feel like you can't divulge things because you're you won't get published? I think definitely. I think okay. you get as like a troublemaker and like all this bullshit. Yeah. So yeah. when you do get published one day, which you will, and I'll spill all. Yes. <laughs> all right. I've had a great time with you. It's been okay. like two hours. Thank you for yeah. coming on. This was amazing. This was so fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is the first podcast I've ever recorded. And this is also going to be the first podcast I'll ever listen to. <laughs> yeah, you don't like podcasts. No, yeah, I've heard well, that a lot. Yeah, I've never listened to one. So <laughs> yeah, I know because I think it's I think it's the gender thing. Like a lot of it's mostly dudes. Yeah. That's why I'm trying to have on more like queer people and women and stuff. Yeah. Yay. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'll see you. Bye. Bye. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was Lo-Fi Late Episode 6 with Julian Neely. See you guys later. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.